Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Shanty. Welcome to the program that interviews artists of all mediums and standings, from writers to actors, painters to musicians. We explore their craft, passions, struggles, successes, and what keeps them going, doing what they love. My name is Tim Drudge, and I'll be your host this week, Inside the Artist's Shanty. Hello, everybody. Uh, it's Tim and Colin here once again, Inside the Artist's Shanty. Colin, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? Very well. First off, I want to tell you there will be teacup clanking in this episode, <laughs> so that's what it sounds like. Uh, uh, we're in the home today of uh, author, television, uh, and film actress Eve Crawford. Eve, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Good. and welcome. Thank you for the tea. And, oh, you're welcome. Uh, and thank you for your hospitality. <clears throat> uh, Eve is one of those actors that the moment you see her face, you go to yourself, oh yeah, I've seen her in everything. <laughs> uh, Eve is a, a, an acclaimed uh, a film and television actress living here in Toronto, Canada. Her acting credits run the gamut from TV programs such as Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Goosebumps, Queer as Folk, Degrassi, The Next Generation, uh, Suits, with, uh, I think, soon-to-be royalty, I believe. Oh, yes, and don't ask me her name. Young Miss Markle. I know. Meghan Markle. <laughs> she wasn't in my scene. <laughs> and Flashpoint. Some of her many film oh, yeah. credits include roles, uh, maybe even a small role, but a role, in an Academy Award-winning film called Chicago, Mean Girls, which I don't believe won an Oscar, uh, Serendipity, in Silent Hill, where she played a very memorable role as Sister Margaret, and that's something that a lot of fans of that series still talk about online. Uh, like I said, she's literally one of those people that if you see her face, you'll know her. Uh, living here in Toronto, Eve is now branching out into writing uh, with her book about her mother called I Paint Gophers. <laughs> one of the most interesting uh, names uh, of a book that I've come across in a long time, and that book is coming out in 2018, and we'll talk about that more. Uh, I can't think of many people that I've had a chance to meet recently that are more qualified uh, to tell us about their craft, how to turn their craft into a career, and then, of course, uh, hopefully pass along some advice to other people in the arts or people starting out, uh, uh, you know, from her extensive experience. So with that in mind, Eve, I just want to throw it open uh, and ask you a question about how, how you chose acting, or, 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 or did acting choose you? Acting chose me, and it chose me... In grade two, when I played a headache in a Red Cross play, I'm looking at Colin's <laughs> face. Yes, I did. Method um, acting, I see. Yes, you played a what again? A headache. How do you play a headache? Well, you put a bandage around your head and you line up with the stomach aches and the broken arms and whatever on the stage. And we were being filmed for local TV, and as a headache. I had to come forth and proclaim, I am a headache because I don't sleep with my windows open at night. <laughs> that was my first performance. And, <laughs> of course, I still sleep with my windows open because I believed that. And uh, I, I, I went from there to be in every single play all through school uh, and then on to, to acting school at U of A. Um, U of A? University of Alberta, Alberta in Edmonton. Oh, okay. I'm from Calgary, so, oh, okay. yeah. And uh, I remember I remember when I was, uh, let me see, 12, I went out for lunch with my grandmother, 
and my mom and dad. And my granny said, so Eve, what would you like to be when you grow up? And I said, I would like to be an actress. And she said, well, we're going to have to figure out a good stage name for you. She didn't think Eve Crawford was good. So she said, what about Eve, Lynn, and Jimmy Stewart for the last name? So Evelyn Stewart would be a good name, which I thought was hysterical because my mom's maiden name was Stewart and dad's middle name was Lyndon. So she mixed it all. Anyway, that's how I got started. A headache. And what was your first um, paid role? Like, What was your first professional performance? My first on stage or on film? Yes. Either. Either. Okay. Um, My first on film role, I came to Toronto the minute I graduated, and they were looking for a redhead to fill the role of young Adelaide, or Adeline, Adelaide, in the White Oaks of Jelman. And so I was cast immediately, and I thought, oh, this is the way my life will go from now on. They just want me. Everybody wants me. And it, actually, there's the picture of it. It's on the wall. Story oh, for everyone that's... who's listening. Um, so I got that part. But the funny thing was, Kate Reed played her as an older uh, woman. And my scenes were used for the promos that played all the time on CBC leading up to this. It was a Tim- Timothy Findlay series. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And, um, but the funny thing was... But the part wasn't huge, but everyone thought it was because it was in all the promos. But the funniest thing was I was at the kitchen in my parents. We lived in a ranch. And I see my face come on screen. And my little 22-year-old face sort of opens up. And I hear Kate Reed's voice coming out of it. I know, with this big, deep, whiskey voice. Because they dubbed her. (laughs) (laughs) And you had no idea that was going to happen. But it looked ridiculous. (laughs) That must have been a little disconcerting. Well, yeah. I don't think they actually used it in the actual uh, filming of the series, but they did it for the promos because they needed to get Kate Reed in there too. So that that role opened doors, I presume, pretty pretty rapidly. A little bit, a, a little bit. bit, yeah. I, I mean, I look back on it all, and I I have no idea how people viewed me. I I ended up getting a program X, and then started in commercials and bits and pieces of films. But I mean, at that point, I was mainly doing theater. And my very first theater role, I got hired back to the Citadel in Edmonton because Sean Mulcahy was artistic director at the time and had seen me in all the U of A productions. And I went back in a Schnitzler play called The Affairs of Anatol, which had seven women and Sean Mulcahy and one other male actor playing Max. And that was great. So do you still like theater more than... I, I, oh boy, that's a really interesting question. Um, I love theater, but oddly, and it is in the book I've written, I got scared away from it in my uh, 30s by a really brutal review. And I lost my, and as I say in the book, I lost my bravery. I took the wind out of your sails a little, didn't it? It, 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 it finished me. And I thought, and and it finished me at a level where I was too afraid. I couldn't, I, I would love to act if there were no reviews. 
I would love to just go yeah. out there, perform for an, audi- an audience. And I'd had a lot of good reviews over the year. I had a good review for that particular performance, which was in one paper, and then the next went right after me. And I was I never paid attention to the good one. You have a tendency to You just to do focus that. Yeah. like, you know, right out like a microscope on, the, all, on it the, takes, all it takes is one sentence that you know, could be a little, a little, a little personal, little we say, or a little cutting. Yes, that just throws you off your game. Okay. Do you regret that? Well, what happened also parallel to this was um, I got married and I got pregnant right after, so it was a very good excuse. I am now busy with my children, Mm -hmm. and again, I'm quoting from the book. I sort of retreated to the safer world of film. Where you can disappear into parts. Nobody's going to review you unless you're the major lead. And uh, as I say, I became the Where's Waldo of Canadian film. And you started yeah. filling out you your and you started filling out your IMDb page at that point. Yeah, because it's an extensive eighty-one yeah. credits. Eighty-one well, credits. Including last like, count. Um, we're saying because there's a few that I wanted to mention. Uh, well, the Alfred Hitchcock presents oh, that because was I was a big fan. What was it like on that? Well, it, it was the remake. You know, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I did two. I did two. It was a riot, and one was a, a takeoff on James Bond called Diamonds Aren't Forever. And the James guy that got to play James Bond was George Lazenby, who actually was, was James a, Bond. a James Bond, on Her Majesty's Secret yeah. Service, yeah. gorgeous-looking guy, but couldn't act. <laughs> well, really had trouble, you know. Um, and it was hysterical because I got to play comedy in it. And then there was one other one that I did where I got blown up. I actually tried to watch that one online. But it's on YouTube, but it's all in Spanish. Oh! <laughs> so I'm like, oh, that's disappointing. So so was, you've been dubbed into Spanish as well. Yeah. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> I've been dubbed into all these things. And, and then people see you. In other parts of the world, and the most the, the one I get oddly recognized years later always for is Mean Girls, mm-hmm. and my part was so small. It was so small. It was a teacher who has this quick scene, but it happens to be a scene that everybody loves, so they Google it or they whatever you do, yeah. you know they they replay it. Yeah, and um, I was in Italy this uh, fall. And we, my sister and my brother-in-law and I went out on a full day out in, Flor- in uh, Tuscany with a young honeymoon couple. This was hysterical. And we're, we're having a beautiful lunch in this vineyard and wine tasting. And we all raise our glasses and say, cheers. And this younger girl, woman, says, yeah, bend and snap. And I said, oh, that's hysterical. Is that yeah. an American toast? She said, no, it's from this really good movie called Mean Girls. And I said, well, I was in that. And she started screaming <laughs> in the vineyard, said, I thought I'd seen you from somewhere. <laughs> That's awesome. And you were in Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh, yes, yes. That was fun. Goosebumps. That was fun. Yeah. Goosebumps. Goosebumps. And when I, I, when I did audition for Goosebumps, my kids were in grade school, and I thought, I have to get this part or I can't go home you know yeah, they, well, these are big well iconic shows. huge yeah. so I did get it and I asked if I could get the kids my husband to bring the kids to set oh nice and then they got totally bored yeah. because filming takes so long it does it's a yeah. small thing uh Degrassi Next Generation also yeah that was a small one 
Um, and even in Kung Fu, the legend continues. Oh! Do you know what I played in that? I played um, David Carradine's dead wife who comes back as a ghost in a Joni Mitchell wig. <laughs> so I had long blonde hair, and I met in bardo scenes, sort of, you know, in these sort of weird scenes where he goes back in time. And that was hysterical too. Laugh, acting so makes even me got laugh. Some supernatural into the the role in the kung fu as well. So yeah, 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 yeah. Silent Hill is probably one that most people listening might know you for as well. That's been a very has it really it's been very successful. Wow, film. I didn't know it had because you see, I don't my my preference in films are not for sci fi or weird or fantasy. I just like thrillers. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing to like. Um, so you're, but it seems to be like you, you not wanting with the the criticisms and such, and it doesn't seem like you go back and look at. So the the pleasure for you is just the art of acting. Yes, and what I did do, um, in two thousand and five, I can't believe it's that long ago. I went back. I have not having not been on stage. In 18 years, I wrote a one-woman show, and I performed it at the Fringe, and it was 80 solid minutes on stage by myself. And as one actor, actually, it was an actor from Silent Hill. I told him I was doing this, and he said, good God, Eve, you're out of your fucking mind. He said, <laughs> you're going back after 18 years, never having been on stage. He says, talk about leading with your chin. And I did it. I was terrified for the whole time I did it. And I'm sorry, Tim, but it was called Tim's Penis. It was about my horse. Of course it was. Of course it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, it I'm, was, it I'm was... wearing a red t-shirt and you can't tell where my head begins yeah. and my red t-shirt starts right now. I've telling me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's obviously a comedy and it was about my life in theater and having a nervous breakdown at one point. And then eventually, the, uh, going back to home to to uh, recover to my, when I say home, back to the ranch to my yeah. family, and I stayed for two months just scratching and crying and not sleeping. And finally, I started feeling better. And the day I I felt better, I thought I'll go for a ride. And my horse's my horse's name was Tim, and he ended up <laughs> he had a sheath infection. Oh no! Yeah. And uh, this guy on our property who helped said, well, it, I, I won't do the whole story, but I had to end up washing his penis. And no one would help. And I had to do it all by myself. My mom fled. My dad fled. It was just yeah. like everyone abandoned ship. I'm not sure what's more uncomfortable for me right now. The fact, <laughs> that, the, 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 right. fact that the play was called Tim's Penis or, or that it was a comedy. <laughs> Face is the brighter shade of red. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, it was a big hit. <laughs> it was a big hit. Well, yeah. It was a big hit. So that was my first time back yep. on stage. And I'm not kidding. Every morning I woke up, because I was reviewed for it, and I got a great review. But again, I, did, I don't count. It got a bunch of good reviews. It was picked as a hit of the Fringe, and I haven't set foot in stage since. And for those of you listeners that aren't familiar with the Fringe Festival, uh, think about uh, uh, an actor or an act actors on stage with something completely stripped down. No big sets. Yeah. 
no production. Uh, most of them aren't curated, so people just say, I'm not, I want to do a fringe show. You yep. go into a lottery, you get picked, you get the show, and then you yeah. do what you want. So you're able sort of artistically to really kind of do what you want without any filter. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And then if you are out there and you forget a line... Doesn't matter. It's you. It's it's t- sheer terror. Mm. And and I remember watching uh, Sandra Shamus do a show because I I just love her work. And on an opening night at the Elgin, she walks out and she says says a few lines, and then she said to a packed house, "I've completely lost. I've I've completely forgotten where I am." And everybody thought she was kidding, and they laughed. And she said, "No, I really have." And she walked right across the stage yanked her stage manager on, looked at the script, and sauntered back and continued. And I knew that story before I did this show. And one night late, after having packed houses, there were 11 people that showed up who didn't laugh at all, right? So your timing's all thrown. And I dried. And there was no help. And I thought of Sandra Shamus. And I'd kept my script stuffed in various parts of the, the set. Yeah. I said, I've completely forgotten my lines. And I went and I found it, and I continued. But that sounds like that's easy. The terror continues of forgetting again. Well, I've, that's what I've always been amazed with live uh, theater and such mm-hmm. is the the memory involved and being able to remember all these lines. Well, not just that, but but not just physically yeah. remembering. You know which word follows which word, but then being able to. Uh, to paint a picture, to emote, yeah. to, to to act. Well, and it's lot you don't get that. Yeah. You don't get that. Can I do that again? Or, or no, not like, like, not, yeah. like film, not like film. Yeah, you get that. Yeah, and if you have, because plays can run for a long time, and everybody has bad days. Well, you also have so days where you just blank. You just, yeah, and yeah. you've just gotta constantly just step up and give yourself yeah. to an audience that, as you say, can be non-receptive sometimes and or then you could get a great night as well exactly and your timing gets thrown and and if you go into a non-receptive audience after you've had huge reception because your, your timing has worked on laughs so something goes into a dead space and you think okay and you continue on but you know with these 11 people at 11 o'clock at night sitting there um but I've seen, I, I know it's happened to some actors, very, very well-known ones who have frozen, and the stage fright has been so horrible they've quit. They quit theater, or they have to go on beta blockers. Just to be able Just to, to get on the stage. And how long was the one at the Fringe show? I think I had about a total of 10 performances. And when I... But fit, the, the play itself was... 80 minutes. That's a... 80 minutes, no break. And, and no other actor to look at and say, what's my line? Or, you know, have someone bail you out. Uh, and when I finished it, I felt as though I had climbed Everest. Because it, it well, took me over... Essentially, the play was about courage lost and found. The first part dealt with my fear, then all the film parts and the funny stories about that. And then it ties goes, back to the review, in a way. It, it totally ties back to the review. Because I think I do say at the end, I bet that critic couldn't have washed a horse's penis. <laughs> <laughs> and called it a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> moving on from the, moving, on. moving on from Tim's penis. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you were saying they, that Tim's penis was. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, now, the but the the book you've written now yeah. is also memoir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did much of Tim's penis get into it? Yeah, it went it... in. It, part of it was it, it's part of a series of emails within the one woman show, which is a way of establishing a review of your life uh, to a woman to a, a, a an old school buddy who's reconnected. Okay. Uh, so it starts off uh, to Peggy, um, re the last forty years. So is it a series of letters? That just one chunk of the book is. Oh, oh no, okay. no, that's just one section of the book. But I start off with my family. I was one of four girls, and the chaos. Our our family was called Bedlam Ridge, and um, then I I also when I was young rode horses a lot. Our whole family was horsey, so I used to go into horse shows and. This and that, you know. Spruce Meadows and all of this kind well, of stuff. Well, we, Spruce Meadows wasn't there then. Yeah. Yeah, but we knew the people who created it and all of that. And there were the little Jim Cannas. And uh, one chapter is called The Family Class because we entered the family class where you all had to ride side by side. And my my father, of course, had five women, right? Well, little little girls going up the scale. And that one was about and as all this happened was my mom forgot to pack his jodhpurs and he had to wear these old long johns with holes all through them and we had to get neither side of them to cover them up and uh, it ended in chaos the whole class because when Cantor was called my mom had gotten sick of him bossing us around so she booted her horse and then we all booted it and left him and then we got into another family and it was just everybody was being thrown off and kicked and everything, and Dad was left in the middle of the ring with no pants. So this, these are the stories, but some are very serious too. You know, some are are very uh, um, they're they're funny, but you know they're about they're about painful times, and I tend to deal with painful times with humor. I paint golfers. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting name for a book, don't you think? Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear more about more why? about why. Okay. A lot of the book, uh, not entirely, but even when it is not about her, is about my mother, who was an extraordinary character. Uh, the foreword to the book is, or what, my dedication is to my father, who was a master storyteller. And for my mother, who was the story? And um, she was just extraordinary on so many levels. She was big trouble. She was a woman who wanted to go through medical school in the 30s and then thwarted by the war, became a housewife when they all came back from the war. And she suffered depression, but she always was trying to figure her way out of it. She should. She had a brilliant mind, but she was also quite pixelated, um, is pixelated the right word? It works. Okay. Because I understand it. It means, you know, like fractured. Fractured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the I Paint Gophers is the last chapter in the book. And it is about the last four years of your life. And in the last maybe 10 or 20 years of her life, she took up painting. That was after she could not dance and could not sing. And so she painted. And she got went through a period of time where she painted gopher paintings. And um, 
the scene around I Paint Gophers was mum relied on, for the last four years of her life, on blood transfusions once a week to live. And at one point, I, I'm in Toronto, my sister calls and said, she's in a coma, we think we're losing her, you better get out here. I raced out to Calgary, to the hospital, through the door, and she was sitting up, IVs in her hand, in her arm, all that. She said, well, I'm, I'm fine, and she'd come out of it. The doctor from palliative care came around, and they had decided that the transfusions weren't making her better, so they thought, well, you know, I think we should just cut them off. Meaning, let's just kill her. Yeah. Right? And so the woman came in, and my sister and I sat on the ledge of, of her hospital room, and the woman said, you know, Mrs. Crawford, um, going to the transfusion unit must be just a terrible bother for you. And Mom said, oh, no, no, I love the people in the transfusion unit. She said, yes, yes, but if you want to be done with all of this and stop all these trips to the hospital for your transfusions, we promise to keep you perfectly comfortable. And it was, I watched mom's face, and it was then that her, her mouth went into this little straight line. She got it. Yeah. And she looked at this woman, and she said, I paint gophers. Meaning, I, I have a I reason, have a to, reason live. to live. Yeah. And this woman... And who are you to who are you, who are to, you that yeah. to stop me from living? And she said... <laughs> the woman looked at me and I said, she does, she does paint covers because this woman yeah. thought she was hallucinating. Yeah. And, I, and then mom says, I also paint polar bears and penguins. And then she started to sing, I'm going to keep right on to the end of the road. And she bellowed it at the top. Good for her. <laughs> and she said... I'm going to keep right on to the end of the road and around the bend. And the woman just laughed. She fled. And who are you to say yeah. that's not worthy? That's, Good for, yeah. that, that's fabulous. Yeah. Well, and it shows that the need for purpose. The need. Had, yeah. The yeah. need for purpose. And, and she still felt that. And the power of artistic purpose as well. Yes. Well, and also the, yeah. the yeah. penguin, the penguin, sorry, the gophers. Yes. <laughs> the gophers now, um, not only will one of her paintings be on the front of your book, they've now inspired another young artist. Yes. Um, to paint, what was it, Vincent van Gopher with the gophers in. So her painting gophers have... So a gopher in the cafe terrace. Continue. Yes. A gopher in oh, no, Starry this, Night. This that is kind of gopher yes. in Starry Night. I saw it this yeah. morning. I, Did you want to talk about I that? I do. Well, my publisher, Heidi Von Palesk, has this amazing young daughter, Kavanaugh, who is so brilliant. She's just too many riches. But among them, uh, which I've just discovered, is art. And one thing I love about Kavanaugh, and I felt so gratified, she has read every chapter of my book as it's come through to Heidi for reading and I didn't think it was going to appeal to a 17 year old girl and she kept laughing her head off and then she would have friends over and say to, Hi to, to uh, Heidi mom tell so and so the story of this or that from Eve's book so added to that when she saw the picture of the gopher cover which is mom's actual painting and, and then followed up by another really really mm, bad 
go for a painting of mums under a sunflower, she said, oh my God, that's Vincent van Gogh. So now Kavanaugh has decided at the age of 17, she's going to paint a series of Vincent van Gogh paintings. And she's done Starry Night. And it's, minus the gophers in it, it's just fabulous. And what do you think your mom would... Oh, she'd be thrilled. She started a movement. Kavanaugh said, I haven't done the one with the missing ear yet, yeah. but I will. <laughs> Can I get signed up for it? I want the t-shirt. I want the go for starting a t-shirt. Yeah. Yes. That would be the it's coolest thing. It's still a work in, in process. It's a, but it it'll be, it'll be at the opening. No, for yeah. sure. And I, it's, you know, we'll put out mom's originals, that, like her muse, and then Kavanaugh's. All these years later, I mean, uh, it's a hundred years. It's over a hundred years later. Oh, with in that, terms of yeah. their ages, and here's this young woman she's never met, yeah. who gets such a thrill and such giggles out of her gophers that she's, she's riffing on it. It must, be, it must be so exciting and 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 rewarding on a personal level to see your art and the art that your mom created mm-hmm. inspire somebody else to take it. To a different place. Oh, completely, completely, and the the response also to the stories too. And I mean, I would love Kavanaugh to illustrate it. I mean, if if we don't get that together, at least she's got to have posters of these beautiful things she's done. So you're saying the, the uh, you were saying earlier before we started the interview the um, the launch will be next year. Yeah, we've had to put it off because it is taking a lot of work to get. I, I'm going to put family photos in. I always like when I read memoirs, leafing through and seeing who's who and what's what. I've had to change the names of a few people so they don't come after me. But, uh, you know, there's nothing too bad in there, but just in case. They wanted their privacy, two of my sisters. And um, anyway, yeah, so we put it off probably till April. And then at which point Heidi also has... A book to launch, so we'll do them together, and they're both personal memoirs. Heidi's done her family; it's a riveting read. I read it; I could not stop reading it. And hers is the dark side. We we deal with the same things, and my take to to save myself goes over to the lighter side and to the gophers and the sunflowers. To the gophers mm-hmm. and sunflowers, and Heidi just dives right into the dark. Now with We've covered like you um, getting into it, then leaving the theater because of the, yep. the bad review. You were saying it, you had a breakdown at one point. Yep. Um, the ups and downs over the time. What kept you acting? Joy. The joy. The of- joy of it. I I uh, I primarily love storytelling. I love. One thing I love about doing the film, now a stage and film, I love the work. I love the research into a part, figuring out why people act in certain ways. I mean, the characters. I love that part. Psychoanalysis. Psychoanalysis. Love it. But absolutely beyond that, um, I love the fly on the wall aspect of what happens behind the scenes on a set, I'm always the one sitting in the corner watching what's going on, and the absurdities, and the funny things, and... And the genius from time to time. And the genius. Yeah, for sure the genius. 
Um, and then if you get to go out and act with that genius, so much the better. I mean, that's really exciting. So you're a constant student then? Always. Always. I mean, that's the part that always... Even when I was doing school plays, the part I loved most was thinking, okay, who is this person? And I would create a world for them. And then you have to really... What do people say about them? What do they say about themselves? As you do also call him as a writer, right? Yes, and, yeah. but you're writing now too. You've got yeah, play yeah. and the memoir. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the research part fascinates me. Performing, I love. I, I must say I love, and I especially love comedy. Because comedy, you have that third person, and that's the audience. And you can play with them when you get comfortable. You just play with them, and it's a, it, in a good way. And one of the best actors I ever worked with on stage was a man called Nigel Hawthorne. And he was in Yes, Prime Minister. He played, he was nominated for an Academy Award for The Madness of King George. Yes, yeah. he, he yeah. was, uh, uh, the role in the Yes, yes Minister and Yes, Prime Minister, he, yeah. was, he was like the chief of staff, the, yes. head, the head bureaucrat. He was yes. brilliant in that. he's brilliant. He um, was knighted. He passed away a while ago. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, he did. And Nigel came out to the Citadel Theater and John Neville directed us in How the Other Half Loves. And Nigel was so brilliant uh, that even within the discipline of the part, when I would walk out on stage knowing I was pl going to play a scene with Nigel, I felt like I was full of champagne. I felt bubbles popping all over the place. And it was like a happy puppy. I can't wait to get out there and play with you because he would never do something quite the same way. Not something unprofessional, but it was like, what are you going to throw me tonight? And I would. So you were on the balls of your feet. Oh you're, yeah, you're, you're all ready to pounce on whatever it, comes. It was yeah. the. It wasn't scary. It was a great feeling. That's just my dishwasher in the background there, ringing away. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I would also hang backstage and watch him act, which actors half the time go back to their dressing rooms. They don't care what the other guy's doing, you know. But I would watch him, and he was so brilliant. And then I needed, 19 years after I did that, that was in my 20s, um, I was asked to go do a small part in a film with Warren Beatty. And the director was Peter Chelsom, who had used me in um, Freak the Mighty, which was then called The Mighty. He used me in Shall We Dance, which then got cut for other reasons. And what was the, oh, Serendipity. So Peter the John Warren, Cusack movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Peter wanted me down to L.A. Well, I'm playing a small secretary. Why does he have to bring a Canadian actress down? So he said, you need about 13 or 14 letters saying you're the best actress in the world, right? To play a secretary. Yeah. Duh. One of the people I went to was Nigel Hawthorne. And I hadn't talked to him in 19 years. And my heart, he was a, he'd be knighted by then. He was Sir Nigel. My heart was in my mouth. It was dry. I found his phone number. I dialed it. I'm shaking. I'm thinking, who are you to bother Nigel? And I said, may I speak? Somebody said hello. And I said, I think it's a butler or something. I said, may I speak to Nigel, please? Speaking. I said, it's Eve. Nigel. I was so... And he said, hello, darling. How are you? And it was like that. We talked for half an hour, and he said the most interesting thing to me. He said, 
tell me, darling, are you happy? And I said, I'm getting there, Nigel. But he sensed something. He was so sensitive. Yeah. And we'd been such good friends at the time. By the way, he came out to the ranch and rode Tim. <laughs> six, six degrees of separation. <laughs> Nigel Crawford rode Tim's penis. Yeah. <laughs> no, he didn't no, rode Tim. Didn't. Let's get that straight. Yes. Oh, we, know, we don't want to start any rumors. Well, one of the... One of the things that uh, Colin and myself even have uh, been trying to do with this little project of mm-hmm. ours is is we want to try to uh, uh, to inspire others to, uh, as we say in our introduction, to either either just continue with their craft or oh, yeah. to uh, to go back to something that they they stop doing or 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 to take that leap for the first time. So if you sitting across the table having a lovely cup of tea and it was a lovely cup of tea by the way Good. <laughs> uh, if you're sitting there having a cup of tea with an acquaintance or somebody you've just met and, and, and they tell you that they're interested in in art what do you say to them based on your body of work and your experience what advice would you pass along to somebody either coming back to art or, or, or thinking about sort of or integrating that into the life or they're struggling what do you tell them the first thing that popped to my mind in this can apply to somebody who hasn't done it yet because I have had younger people come to me and they want to say what agent should I get and I said why do you care what agent what are you train what's your have you got your training what are you what's what classes are you taking so the taking of classes the discipline I once I graduated I studied for four years I did my voice exercises every day. I took dance all the time, and I'm not a dancer, but it was to to keep in shape. And also by doing, by taking classes, you're around other artists. And it has this spreading effect, and it keeps you being an artist. You know, somebody, I, I, I think somebody said, I used to be an actor. And I, I said to them, you're, you are an actor. You may not be acting now, but you never used. You're not used to be an actor. You are. It's it's something who you are. Actually, Justin Trudeau said that about his teaching. Somebody said, "Well, you used to teach." He said, "No, I am a teacher. I always will be a teacher," which I found quite interesting. Um, so the training is tantamount. Uh, I would quote Helen Mirren, who, when asked the most important thing she learned on her 70th birthday or her looking back on her life she said I wish I had learned to tell people to fuck off a lot earlier <laughs> and I apply that yeah. to the critic that sense of bold I am who I am and uh, I would warn young actors and I guess this would apply to other artists to beware of gurus I think they can be very damaging I have a real uh, anger towards a lot of past teachers who were quite manipulative and considering what's been happening with all the Harvey Weinstein stuff, a mm-hmm. lot of it is it was sexually motivated and they would use their power positions and they could destroy someone. They could destroy someone if they weren't going to, you know, come across or whatever. So be brave is a be brave is a way to say it perhaps. Be brave, be fearless. Um, and tell people to fuck off. And tell people, you know, be be firm to say no, fuck off. 
I know that sounds so coarse, no, but it's, it's, it's planting, it's a planting yeah. your feet thing. And there's a lot of bullies in life. Bullies is a big theme of my life and watching where they are. And I am now, I was bullied and it really took chunks out of me. And, and I speak of this probably through my childhood to a degree, but more so in the early acting teachers I had. Some of them were wonderful. But when you're at that tender 19, 20, 21 age, and even older, you're so vulnerable. And I am now fierce. If I see someone being bullied, I am so fierce on their behalf. So yeah. it's a big theme in it life, is, isn't it? it? Is, it's, yeah. it's everywhere. It's not just the arts. Yes. Yeah. No, my book was about, um, one of my books was about a bully, bully teacher. Oh, who, and they at the time actually were worried about, some were concerned about publishing it because it's for the, the teachers might not want to address that. But it turned out that it um, a lot of teachers I heard used it as a way to address the issue without having to directly address the teacher. Yes. Because they knew yes. of other teachers that were being bullied, but for even a teacher to call out another teacher, it's a huge thing. Oh, you mean teachers were bullying other teachers? Or no, bullying it, was, it was a teacher bullying the oh, students. Oh, yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. I heard that some teachers, if they knew, they would use the book to discuss with the students yeah. if, you ha if you come upon the situation, what's the best? Because that's a way of dealing with it without directly dealing yeah. with it. And finding it, yeah, no, it's a big thing in life. And as you say, with the, all look the at, things going on in Hollywood Well, look now who's and, uh, our, the president, I yes. suppose, at our. I mean, yeah. there, there's the, it's like, it's like we've got the biggest thing in the world and he's right now bully, is yeah. a bully. Yeah, and, and that people are seeing that as an example, and you can yeah. see it online and everything. Well, thank you very, very much for oh, your time, welcome. for your wisdom, for your advice, and for your stories. And for your teeth. <laughs> yes. Most of all the tea. <laughs> I'll give you some bags to go. Oh, excellent. Thank Please you thank both. You. Well, thank you, and thank you for telling us about Tim's penis. Oh, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make this one not safe for work. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you to our guest and our listeners for being here. I hope you enjoyed the show and were inspired to find your passion and pursue it or keep going if you already have can be a lonely road, but we'll travel it together. <laughs>